Welcome to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast, an ongoing conversation about some of the most important issues facing the local church today. I'm your host, Andrew Arndt, along with Brady Boyd, senior pastor here at New Life Church. And we want to talk today about building bridges in the church and in your community. Uh, World News Radio recently ran a story on the merger last year between New Life Church and Iglesia Nueva Vida, which is a large Hispanic congregation here in the Springs. And we're going to play that the audio clip of that little story here for our listeners in just a minute. But honestly, Brady, this storyline, New Life Church and Nueva Vida, you know, I'm new around here, so I'm kind of learning the storylines. This storyline to me is one of the most compelling storylines at this church. When I started learning about it, um, to me, I sort of, my coming to grips with the reality of this convinced me that this says all the right things about gospel and kingdom and community. And I'm personally really glad that more people are getting a chance to hear about this. So before we get to the clip, Brady, I'm just wondering if you can tell us on a convictional level why the relationship between New Life Church and Nueva Vida has been and continues to be really important for you. Well, we are living in such a divided world, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But what probably most listeners need to understand is this happened on the night of the election last November of 2016, when all of the world was watching us trying to decide what kind of America we would be the night that Donald Trump was running against Hillary Clinton. On that night is the night that our elders decided to officially merge with the largest Spanish-speaking Hispanic congregation in our in our city. As you know, that election last year brought out a lot of vitriol and divisiveness in our culture among Anglo-white, predominantly white people. I think the church has to be a prophetic voice. We have got to regain our prophetic footing in our culture. And I think uh, on, a, on a macro level, New Life Church was making a prophetic pronouncement in our city. Whether we knew it at the time or not, it is clear now that we were making a prophetic pronouncement that the church, it was going to show the world how to live together, how Spanish-speaking, spirit-led people could live alongside white, English-speaking people in a world where those two groups of people were becoming more and more divided. On that note, let's listen in. It's the world and everything in it from member-supported World Radio. Today is Wednesday, October 18th. Good morning. I'm Kent Covington. And I'm Mary Reichard. Some 58 million Hispanics now live in the U.S., a dramatic increase from only a generation ago. Hispanics have historically belonged to the Catholic Church, but now nearly one in four are evangelical. That's more than six million people. As the Hispanic Evangelical Church grows in the U.S., it remains largely separate from the white evangelical churches. But two churches in Colorado Springs, Colorado, one Hispanic and one white, decided they were better together. World Radio's Sarah Schweinsberg went to Colorado Springs to bring us that story. New Life Church, Iglesia Nueva Vida. Two churches with the same name in different languages are engaged in a great experiment. Can they overcome differences in language, culture, and even politics to become one? New Life is the second largest evangelical church in Colorado. It boasts more than 10,000 members. Its huge campus on the growing north side of Colorado Springs includes a worship center that seats 5,000. On a recent Sunday morning, volunteers sit under tents in the parking lot handing out water and candy to churchgoers. Inside, parents drop off their children at the kids' ministry or head to the campus cafe. 
where they can order mocha lattes, soup, and paninis. Across town, Iglesia Nueva Vida meets in a renovated building on the city's industrial east side. Cars fill the small parking lot and spill over onto an auto dealership lot across the street. Inside, greeters hug visitors and steer them toward a small table offering tasty pumpkin bread. By the time the service starts, the sanctuary is bursting at the seams. Whole families, including babies, toddlers, and teens, sit together through the service. Both churches are evangelical in theology and charismatic in worship style. Back at New Life, the worship team stands on a large concert stage bathed in rainbow lights. Worshippers raise their hands. Over at Iglesia Nueva Vida, teenage girls wear bright gold dresses and dance to Spanish worship songs. The congregation sways like grass in the wind. Divergent demographics seem to make these congregations unlikely candidates for merging. But that didn't deter pastors Brady Boyd and Jeremiah Tamaras. They met 10 years ago when Boyd came to New Life as head pastor, and Tamaras, an immigrant from the Dominican Republic, came as a worship pastor. When Pastor Brady came, I get to know him. And, uh, well, just hi, hi, and... And then we keep in the, the good work. And Tamara started a Spanish language Bible study, and it quickly grew. Within a few years, it became its own congregation, Iglesia Nueva Vida. Boyd began mentoring Tamara's on how to be a lead pastor. So he suddenly found himself as the leader of the church and really didn't know what to do. So I began to meet with him here in my office and coach them and give them advice. Last fall, Boyd attended a Nueva Vida worship service. And... I'm sitting in the worship service, listening to them sing the Revelation song in Spanish. And I realized that the same Holy Spirit that's present in our church at New Life North was present there. And I was driving home with one of my friends and I said, we're going to be a family one day and they're going to be a part of it. Soon, the two pastors began speaking to their elders and congregations about merging. It made sense theologically, but the two congregations didn't line up politically. Members of New Life had conservative views on immigration policies. More than half of those who attend Nueva Vida are in the U.S. illegally. As talks of the merger moved forward, skeptics confronted Boyd. You know, there were people aggravated, questioning, angry, upset. I got called liberal and lawless. The smaller Hispanic congregation was afraid the megachurch would try to change its style of worship. I received a call from people saying, hey, you march with New Life? How'd that feel? So it feels so good. <laughs> and uh, how how they treat you? And then say, no, we are brothers. Or the pastor already come here and say, hey, the thing's going to be like this, and, and you preach this, and, and you, you know, no. But Boyd and Tamaris felt that together, the two churches could better reach Colorado Springs' ever-growing, often poor, Hispanic community. So despite reservations in both congregations, on November 8, 2016, as Americans chose a new president, the elders of New Life Church and Iglesias Nueva Vida chose to merge. It's, it's a marriage. We're not dating. We're married. We are one people. Boyd says he pushed the merger because scripture calls the church to embrace the stranger. He says the broken immigration system has led to the messy situation we have today. We can't deport them. They're here. They're, they're living peaceful 
godly, legal lives, even though they got here illegally. So the church needs to step to the front and say, we will help integrate them. Tamara says the merger with New Life has helped connect Nueva Vida members in the U.S. illegally with immigration lawyers. These lawyers are working pro bono to help them navigate legal issues. Now we are strong. Somebody like New Life says, we next to you guys. It's not means that New Life is the illegal immigration, nothing to do with that. Just to have somebody that is worried about the uh, Hispanic community. In the past year, Nueva Vida's attendance has nearly doubled to 800. The two congregations are feeding 1,500 needy people at Nueva Vida every month. Boyd has encouraged Nueva Vida to transition toward an English-speaking culture. Now the 9 a.m. service is bilingual, while the 11 o'clock service is in Spanish. This month, Pastor Tamaras announced the two churches purchased a much larger building for Nueva Vida's growing congregation, a building in the heart of a Hispanic neighborhood. So far, there's little mingling of the two congregations on Sunday mornings. But Boyd says that isn't necessarily the goal. It's about two very different congregations supporting each other as they minister to their city. I think uh, Nueva Vida being a part of our church has given a lot of members of our congregation a different perspective on who these people are. The body of Christ has the ability to show a very divided world how to live together. And we really are the only institution on the earth that can show the world how to do this. For World Radio, I'm Sarah Schweinsberg reporting from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Well, that is such a great story, Brady, as you've listened to it again now. What are some of your takeaways? What does that jog in your memory? Well, I love hearing them sing songs in Spanish. I love hearing Pastor Jeremiah speak in broken English. He is such a godly leader, a powerful leader. He's from the Dominican Republic, and English is not his first language, but he is a tremendous preacher and communicator. And I, I just love hearing the joy from both congregations. You hear the, the New Life North congregation singing out worship songs in English, and then you heard Nueva Vida singing their hearts out in Spanish. And that, to me, is such a beautiful picture of the kingdom. So at the end of the interview, I mean, one of the storylines um, or themes that kind of ran through this to me was really this, and you touched on it when we were setting it up, it was kind of the prophetic role of this. We're living in a society that is more and more divided, and these two groups of people have not necessarily blended very well together. But at the end of the interview, Brady, you said the body of Christ has the ability to show a divided world how to live together. Now, I love that line. I think that it speaks to the prophetic importance of efforts like this. Can you unpack that for us a little bit? Well, the scriptures talk about the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. The scriptures, when it describes the Holy Spirit, describes the Spirit as the great unifier of the human race. And we see this in the upper room where men and women, Greeks and Jewish people and people of different socioeconomic backgrounds were all caught up together in Acts chapter 2. The church was really birthed in a very diversified world where Romans and Greeks didn't really like each other, where Jews were separate from everyone else in the culture. And it was the Holy Spirit that's the great unifier of the church. And I think somewhere along the way here in America, we have lost our sense of God's presence in our lives. And so we look up and we find ourselves really divided. And the reason we're so divided is because of a noticeable lack of the Holy Spirit that we've allowed to be present in our lives. And 
people that are listening to this podcast today, I am not here to make some kind of political stand about this or to make some kind of political statement. I'm here today to say, when you welcome the Holy Spirit into your church, do not be surprised that when you welcome the Holy Spirit into your church, that the Holy Spirit's going to ask you to live alongside people that are much different than you. And I find wherever the Holy Spirit is present, you find a diversification of gifts, a diversity of people, you find different tribes, you see heaven being lived out here on the earth. You know, when we read that text in Revelation where every tongue, tribe, nation is singing together in heaven, what's missed in that when we read that passage is that people didn't have to give up their distinctions in heaven. People still had different languages and had different ideas about the world, but yet the, it was the Holy Spirit that was the common denominator, the common unifier. And I feel like the church, when they are really listening to the Holy Spirit, will begin to build bridges in their communities. The Holy Spirit is a bridge builder. The Holy Spirit will not let us stay divided. I love that. It's so good. For me, what I love about this is that it comes out of, um, as I'm listening to you talk, it's clear that this comes out of gospel convictions and kingdom convictions and Holy Spirit convictions. So this doesn't have like a it doesn't have, it's not ideologically motivated or politically motivated. It's motivated by the human and by who God is for us in the human. In the interview or in the story that just ran, um, you mentioned being criticized as being liberal and lawless, like kind of in your efforts here. Was that hard for you? I mean, how did you weather that storm? I don't like criticism and I like being liked, you know, like most human beings. But I, I grew up in a very racially divided deep south. I grew up in Louisiana. I was the first generation of kid to go to a desegregated school. And so I, I'm very aware of the racial ethnic tensions. I've always been, I think that God gave me a, a hypersensitivity to it. I mean, I, even when I was a little kid, it was not lost upon me that even in 1970s rural Louisiana, how divided black people were from white people. And it always bothered me even as a young man. And so when I became a pastor, uh, when I was in my early 20s, my wife and I made a decision to go into the most broken neighborhood in our city. I mean, it was really crime-ridden. It was violent. And we were the only white people in that neighborhood for many, many years that would go in there and visit these elderly shut-ins on Abbey Street in Shreveport, Louisiana. And for four years, almost every Saturday for four years, uh, probably a couple hundred times, my wife and I went into Abbey Street and visited 20 homes in a very, very uh, urban Shreveport, Louisiana and we, we just have always had a, a bit of a defiant attitude about the racial prejudices and divides that have separated us in our culture. And I think when people take a step toward one another and begin to learn and love other human beings, the skin color and the, the racial differences begin to really melt away in front of you and you begin to see the humanity in each other. And so I, I feel like that Pam and I have always had this call on our lives to bridge the gap. Well, now here I am in Colorado Springs where uh, we have a very large growing Hispanic population. Many of them are undocumented. It's probably the fastest growing segment of our city. And yet they tend to live in the shadows here. And so it's easy for me now to step forward and say, listen, let's stop this. This is not how we can, we can live better than this. And so I, I feel like it's a calling that's on my life, but it's more than that, it's a calling on the church and has always been the calling on the church for 2000 years. Hmm. So what what would you say to pastors that 
are maybe having a difficult time seeing why this is central to their gospel mission? Like, how would you challenge them? Well, this, it's the same Holy Spirit in both our churches. I, I tell the story that you just heard I, of going there last October for a prayer meeting. And I'm sitting in that prayer meeting and I'm listening to them sing the Revelation song in Spanish. And I know this sounds simple, but I was sitting there thinking, this is the same divine presence that I feel when I'm with my New Life North congregation. There's not a Spanish Holy Spirit. There's not an English Holy Spirit. There is one Holy Spirit. And I was so moved by it. And, I, and I've known those things before, but I was so moved by the experience. And I said, how dare we separate ourselves by race and by politics when the Holy Spirit is working so hard to bring us together? It's almost like I have to work hard now to oppose this, or I have to start cooperating with the Holy Spirit to make this work. And I just left there that night and I turned to the man that I, I went with one of my friends to the service and I said to him, I don't know what just happened in that service, but I think we're going to be a big family one day. And I think this is a, it's going to be a, a gospel message to our city. And you wouldn't believe how many conversations I've now had with my pastor friends about this issue who they really never even thought about how to bridge gaps. And well, maybe we should just let the Spanish speaking population do their own thing and we'll do our own thing. And somehow in heaven, it'll all work out. Well, if the embodiment of the gospel is a earth to heaven experience, and I think we're supposed to start seeing signposts and we start to, we should start seeing heaven being fleshed out here among us. And so we have to figure out a way for brothers and sisters to worship together when our languages and our politics divide us. So what has been the payoff of this? I mean, because you could, New Life North could just continue to do its thing and Nueva Vida could have just continued to do its thing, but there, there's sacrifice in coming together. There's also strength in coming together. So could you talk about the two sides of that? What maybe has been sacrificed for both? And then what's been the strength that's been gained for both in this? Well, let me talk mostly about the strengths because what I did not realize when we merged with Nueva Vida was that they were feeding 1,500 people a month out of their back door with food that they barely had enough to give away. And so here we are at New Life North in the very prosperous side of our city with more than enough food in our pantries in most of our homes. And 20 minutes away in a smaller church south of our city, they're feeding 1,500 people a month with just barely enough food. They were scrambling to put together those food boxes uh, in their back of their church building to feed 1,500 people a month right here in my city that most of these people live 20 minutes from my back door here at New Life North. And so when we merged with Nueva Vida, our eyes were suddenly opened to things that we didn't even know existed in our city. There are urgent needs in our city that most prosperous, if I can use this word, prosperous, white, upper and middle class churches probably don't even know about. For example, when I drove to church this morning, I did not drive by one single homeless person on my way to church. My home is only about seven or eight minutes away from the church now, but I didn't drive by any people. I didn't drive by a single homeless family living on the streets this morning. If I go to Nueva Vida and I drive 10 minutes away from their church building, I've probably gone by a dozen homeless families who are living in their cars or living on the streets. And that's only 20 minutes away from my front door. So literally... In most cities, and this is not just uh, exclusive to Colorado Springs, but if you go to any major metropolitan city in America, there is the prosperous upper middle class part of town, and then only a few miles away, 
There is an extreme poverty in most cities, and we are becoming more and more divided and unaware of some of the problems in our city because we don't worship together. And so what Nueva Vida got was they got this big family that was willing to help them. What we got in return was an awareness of the brokenness in our city that we would have been blind to if we had not merged. You're saying that this has actually helped you disciple your own congregation better. Yes, and reach my city. If we're in the city for the sake of the city, then we need to pastor the entire city. I'm not in my neighborhood for the sake of my neighborhood. I'm in the city for the sake of my city, which means I'm now concerned with every neighborhood in my city. And so my question to pastors and leaders who are listening to us today is, are you concerned about every neighborhood in your city, not just the one where your building is located. And I think it's very easy for us to become isolated and start living in a vacuum or a bubble that surrounds, you know, just a few mile extremities of our of our city and our, our building. And we forget about the huge gulf of humanity that's only a few miles away from us that have great needs. Okay, let's make this massively practical here because the reality is, as we listen to the Nueva Vida slash New Life story, we're seeing the fruit of many years of investment and a lot of hard work that was done. So take us all the way back to the beginning here and talk about for some of those pastors out there that would like to begin moving this direction and building bridges, what are some of the really practical things that they can begin doing that will help them in this effort? It's a great question. And uh, the first thing I did is started hanging out with Jeremiah and Anna Tamares, and I started getting to know them. I went down to their building and I saw their people. I spoke for them on a Wednesday night. I had lunch with them. They came to my office. In other words, we have to build relationships. And there is a language barrier. I mean, it was not easy work. They are from the Dominican Republic. I am from Colorado and Texas and Louisiana. So we're worlds apart in some ways. But the more I hung around them, the more I got to know them, I realized that we had common goals, common objectives, common spirit, common values that were important. And so when those things get put into place, I don't think you can merge with everyone in your town. I would say that there are probably only a handful of churches that we could go through this kind of merger with, where we could uh, really live life together, because you have to work through relationships and values and ethics and sometimes theology and methodology, and all those things have to line up. But when they do line up, I want to say to pastors, don't be afraid of it. So I tell people we we dated for a long time before we got married to Nueva Vida. So this wasn't a, a rushed uh, thing. It wasn't a rushed process. It was years of me getting to know them, them getting to know us, us inviting them to things, not just inviting them to come do our things, us going and being a part of what they do. For example, for the last three or four years, we've helped them with their Thanksgiving outreach to their neighborhood. When they were wanting to do prayer walks around their neighborhood, we went down there and helped them. Years before this merger ever happened, we did the hard work of getting into their world. Oftentimes, the rich church in town invites all the poor churches to come do things with them, but very often we're not willing to cross over those socioeconomic divides and go be a part of their world. And if you're going to have a merger, then it has to be a two-way street. A bridge works both ways. It's not a one-way crossing. It's a double crossing. I go there, they come here, and we did that for years before this merger ever made sense. Brady, it strikes me as I'm listening to you that not everybody that listens to this, if they begin working through this bridge building process, the result is not always going to be a merger. Are there other 
expressions of this bridge building that you've seen that that are viable and helpful for different congregations? Yeah, look for outreach opportunities. Look for opportunities to not replicate services. Find out what the poor churches in your city are doing really well and lend them your strength. Lend them volunteers, even give money, uh, come alongside them. So what we started looking for, we weren't out looking for merging opportunities. We were looking for partnerships. And along the way, we bumped into some family members. And so it may be that when you're looking for partnerships, you may bump into churches that make sense to merge with you. But along the way, you're probably going to find more friends than mergers. That's great. Can you give us some parting thoughts for some pastors that are starting to walk down this journey? What are they going to run into? What obstacles are they going to have to face? Like, just give us some final thoughts here. Well, we're living in a very politically divisive atmosphere where people tend to take sides and get really loud about their opinions, about the undocumented, uh, about the border wall, about immigration in general. And I would say to pastors, you're going to have to tolerate some of that. Some of that's going to come your way. So if you don't like criticism and you don't like um, you know, being opposed, this is probably not a path you should take. But if you're willing to be a prophetic voice and to call attention to the gospel unity that the Holy Spirit's trying to form in your city, you'll find miraculous friendships along the way that are worth every bit of criticism you're going to face. So when I talk about being criticized, I mean, you know, it was pretty minor compared to what we've gotten in the process. We have gained hundreds of new friends and alliances here in our city. Uh, we have found a family out there that we weren't even looking for. We stumbled upon a group of people that now we love like family. And every bit of criticism and opposition that I faced in the early days of talking about this was more than worth it. It is worth the pain to go through. It is such a joy when you get to the end of this and you find people that you can live life with. And I've always said this, that it takes a long time to become old friends. And I suspect 20 years from now that uh, Nueva Vida will be numbered among my old friends. And what a joy that will be, right? And I'm grateful. I'm grateful that the Lord brought us together. Well, Essential Church listeners, that episode marks the end of season one. We sure have enjoyed getting the opportunity to open up these conversations for you on blending the charismatic and the contemplative, questions about leadership, how we pastor people in a difficult public circumstance. All of it's been so wonderful. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed them too. Please do look for us in mid-January. We'll be back with fresh episodes for you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast. Our goal is always to strengthen and provoke the thinking of church and ministry leaders. And so if you found this or any episode helpful to you, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Your reviews help leaders just like you find our podcast. And if you have any comments or suggestions on people or topics you'd like for us to cover, be sure to let us know via social media. And of course, please do share this and other episodes you find helpful around the web. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you.